I am Joel McLeod. I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome back to the 905 Roundup. We have a packed full episode for you folks, so let's dive right into it. Roland, what have you got on the far side of the 905 for us? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we're the 905 a podcast, and we haven't thus far talked a whole lot about Durham region in particular. And, you know, partly that's just where our expertise lays, and we're trying to sort of grow into that realm. But we do check out the news from time to time, and I was kind of checking out the news today, and it's like, ah, oh, geez, there's a real shortage, it seems to me, unless I'm missing something of good websites or, or you know, other people covering any kind of news out out in in Durham region. I refuse to believe that that a, a region with you know, uh, I don't know what the population is, but it's got to be million plus, I guess doesn't have exactly the same kind of uh, stories going on as we do over here on this side of uh, the 905, but it's really hard to find out about them. Um, uh, and you know, to extend, that's a problem we've had with, with Peel and York as well. I mean, just to an extent, it illustrates that we need people in those parts of the 905 to to help us to, to tell the stories that, that are important to you. And you know, if you you have a background in journalism, if you if you if you know of good websites, if you know of people who are doing podcasts or anything like that, let us know and let us know the stories that you think should be covered. That um, you know, because it's it's crazy that we we live in this world where you know, I look at the um, so the the Metroland uh, Metroland Media newspaper out in Durham is called DurhamRegion.com. And you know, the first thing you see when you lo- load it, it says notice to readers, register to support local journalism because it's so important we support local journalism. Well, why the hell do you want to pay for this stuff? I do not know because it's pretty woeful. You know, it, 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 you know blizzard warning in Durham. Well, yeah, I can look out the window and tell you there's a blizzard warning in Durham. It's <laughs> <laughs> a blizzard warning I'm in, in the Hamilton. entire province. Yeah, it's a blizzard warning in the, in the entire province. Nothing... You know, yeah, I mean, who did you pay to write that that headline? Yeah, and more, and more upsetting. I mean, sure, that's that's the traditional meat and potatoes of local journalism, I guess. Although I've never found it very interesting. Yeah, you know, more disappointing is you go to a story about uh, Oshawa passing their budget, and you know, it's a very short article saying there's a one point two five percent increase. Um, I'm just trying to find that um, story again right this second. And half of the article was a press release from the city. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, well, uh, that's not really what local journalism exists to do. You, well, you're meant to question at, the press release. Well, look, look at like the local papers that, that you and I are familiar with in, uh, more in depth. You know, like most of it is written. Like, I, think, I think the people who write for them are good journalists like the, you can tell that there are people who are very passionate about their their craft and their their career and that they 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 work hard i think the problem is clearly like they are very understaffed you know it's i you know let's just crack open let's crack over a, a quick article to uh to fill a fill a, a you know a couple inches on the on the page and that's it and it's just there's no time to Get into ish the where the issues lay. It's easy to it's easy to t- scratch that surface content, right? They like, oh yeah, but you know, school or, or city council passed a pass a budget, slight increase. That it's like, well, can you get into like what what should that increase be more? Like what 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 are they not paying for? What's what's the 
what's the real yeah. what's the real analysis of this like what what are what's the what would a city possibly be neglecting or maybe where the where are the priorities you know should they be and, and more importantly what does it what is what focus is the city going to have that will shape the way it it, it, it evolves and that's to me, that's where, where that's kind of why we started this. Ultimately, was that we were, we. I remember for me, I was reading a couple stories in the in the, in the our local paper, and it was all about like, oh, you know, crime crime is going to be taking over Halton region. And I remember reading like, okay, but there's no details about this. It, you know, they they want to kind of scare you with like, oh, the police were catching up, catching the bad guys. Well, they didn't even say like, did you know, basic story. Did they catch the right guy? What were, what were the charges? What was, is this part of a larger, you know, or project by the, by the police or is this just, hey, you know, they got lucky. Like what, what's the context here? You can't just say, oh, you know, and that, that's kind of the caliber of the, of the stories that we were getting. We said, no, I, I don't care about those stories. I don't care about traffic accident on the QW or whatnot. What I do care about is, you know, why does it, why is it so hard to get good transit in this region? Why is it so why is it so hard to move around? Why is it so hard to find a place to live? And why do why is it that we hear people losing their their homes or their livelihood? It's never put in the context of yeah, it, it, it's impossible to pay a mortgage in the nine hundred five region these days. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really I don't understand Metroland Media, which should be because the Metroland Media dominates the existing journalism in much of the nine hundred five, really anywhere except. Um, Hamilton. Um, and there are some good websites out there. I'm not uh, belittling them, but it's still the case that the dominant media is Metroland Media. But Metroland is owned by Torstar, and Torstar also owns the spec. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the, the spec is, for whatever reason, the spec is is more like a what I consider a real paper still. It, you know, like like the Star, love it or love loathe it, the Star is a regular newspaper. It has opinion, it has <laughs> columnists, it has the spec has that it used to be a lot more of that but it still has some of that these other newspapers which are all basically the same sort of thing branded uh with, you know with a different front page stuck on them they don't really i mean and again i'm not having a go at the journalists because i i i suspect they'd be they'd rather be doing more interesting things themselves but for whatever reason it's what tour style wants i guess because yeah, and it's like you do an article about a council budget, which um, the staff originally came back with a recommend. Well, I don't know if it was a recommendation, but they came back with, well, you know, the city needs to increase five percent this year, and then they voted for one point two five. Well, there's a huge question for any journalist there. Okay, what got cancelled so that we could get to one point two five? And okay, there's some budget, some funding coming from the province, and there's this and then that and the other. But basically, you know, any budget that that is as low as that. In any city in the 905, you're either, it's either coming out of your sort of reserve funds, or it's coming out of services. Um, that's that's where it or, comes from. Or your city council made a bad decision, which again should go to being accountable to the people who elected them. Yeah. So so yeah. to sort of imply that there's really no questions to be asked is 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 it's not good enough. I mean, just just picking one other story. Almost at random, but it, it illustrates the difference, actually. Like you say, these are, I'm going to be talking about two newspapers. They're both Torstar newspapers. One dealt with the story reasonably well. One dealt with it not so well. But um, Pickering Council, a councillor um, late last year, uh, Ian Cumming, uh, sadly passed away. Um, as a result, there's a vacancy in Pickering's Ward 2. And council 
voted to um, replace, you know, uh, to, you know, there's a choice of having a by-election or you can just appoint someone. We saw this in Hamilton. They've appointed someone. Now, in Hamilton, that was a big story. Who are they going to appoint? Why are they appointing them? Um, and it wasn't just the spectator. It was also covered by, you know, Joey uh, Coleman and Laura Babcock and the you know, the various kind of, uh, and us, <laughs> the various entities that are out there. It was kind of a big story and an important one. It's like, okay, first, why are you not letting people have a vote? Uh, and B, why are you sort of picking someone from the old boys network as, as the likely favoured candidate who ultimately was not chosen? But, well, anyway... It was a story that got attention in the media. Here in um, Pickering, uh, a replacement's been put on council. Basically, no one's going to notice. No one's talking about this. There's no kind of, uh, maybe we should have had a by-election. Is this the right person? Um, I mean, that that council in Pickering is the w- most middle-aged white male council you've ever seen in your life. So the fact that they've appointed a woman, Christine Doody Hamilton, as the councillor is, I mean, I guess, that's good. Um, her resume looks perfectly fine. All those things, fine. But it, again, it, it's like, shouldn't there be some uh, debate about this? That the you know uh, that the council should be held to account for. Why aren't you holding a by election? Sure, there's only you know a bit over six months to go now, so maybe that's pushing it. I don't know. But you know, who, who who's being chosen here and why? Maybe there's a praiseworthy story here. I mean, certainly it seemed that Pickering was reaching out, looking far more at let's just pick someone from the community rather than let's find someone who's been a councillor before who we know will vote the way we want and do what we want uh, to sit on this council for six well, months. I think so, I think the lesson yeah. the lesson that we've learned on this end of the 905 has been, you know, don't we shouldn't be taking demo- our democratic institutions for granted. It, we elect city councils. We elect them for a reason. We should keep electing them because they they do have a, a lot of power over our local and immediate lives. Yeah, I mean, that, that, but that's you're right. This this should be something that we're, that should be uh, analyzed in the media and and should be debated upon. And you know, questions should be asked you know, a little bit more in detail, maybe of of what why why this course of action was particularly taken. Maybe, maybe there is a, a, a valid reason. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But I, I mean, it is. I mean, I mean, I guess in Hamilton, you had a few extra months kind of to play with. It was almost a full year at that point um, when they were appointing a replacement. It is now getting down to the to the wire in terms of what you can do before the act, the election is held later this year. But then again, you know, I mean, it's like, so this uh, Pickering Council, as far as I'm aware, and I, I would have to go and check but i know it was all male i think it was all white male um so they picked it picked a white woman um it's like well you know last time i checked durham region was a highly ethnically diverse region there's so many things that could be asked about appointments like this um yeah sure it's it's, it's nice to have like you know uh, six six men to one woman to one woman uh, to actually have some level of uh variety i don't think we can really call it diversity on council, but yeah, I mean, it's like, did this not occur to anybody at the DurhamRegion.com? You know, it must do, surely. And surely readers would be more interested in that than the kind of tedious stuff that just gets well, here's published the, here's day, the thing. day if after you, day. If you publish stuff that, if you treat it, if you treat it, I guess, as a, as a slog, right? You know, it, it's, let's just put out the, the bare minimum. People start to lose interest. I, I, I know because there are people who, when we talk, when I've talked about stuff that impact locally here, you know, we live in Burlington, I live in Burlington now, 
stuff that happens locally, you know, hey, council decided on this, this, and this. People say, oh, I didn't know about that. Where'd you find that? I'm like, well, I, you know, we had to go searching through the kind of through the, the website or, or through the grapevine and you find this out and you get the facts and you learn what, what happened. Um, a lot of people say, I don't, I don't know. I know nothing about what happens locally. Most because the, the, the sources of that information don't treat that information, that information seriously. I find, you know, there, there is no analysis. There is no critique of council decisions. And that, again, it comes back to one of the reasons why you and I wanted to do this podcast was because it gives us a chance to talk to the, the people and the power brokers that exist within the 905 and get a sense of what actually is going on in, in the region, in, in our, in these communities and kind of get a better sense of where, where does this, where do these communities need to go and, and develop, uh, in the future? And that's something I don't, I, those are questions that are not even, I don't think they're even thought about in Metroland, uh, properties. They're really not. I mean, it, it, it's, they almost scream, we, well, we live in a boring place. You know, you're going to be, in, hey folks, you're going to be, you're going to be interested in, in blizzard warnings, um, and, well, you know, here we go. Headline, Durham Police Community Groups Celebrate Healthcare Heroes. Well, yeah, great, awesome. But it's like, are you not even questioning what's going on with the politicians, uh, with what's how, what the province is doing, how it's affecting the region? I mean, development is an issue everywhere. So if it's not somewhere mentioned on the front page or something, it seems to me that they're not paying attention. It. And it's a shame because it does a disservice to, to like I say, the millions of people who live in these regions who who are treated as if um, there's nothing of interest to say. And I, I just I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Well, let's take um, a, let's take a break from that uh, for now, and we'll move on to our our next story. But before that, we're going to have a word from our sponsor, and we're back. So uh, after talking about issues that are not getting enough coverage in. Uh, in the 905, uh, I did notice there was a n- one more issue that got, ironically, it did get some attention in the Global Mail, uh, but something I don't think really, not, not enough in, in my, my opinion. Um, so in the Global Mail, if you were reading on New Year's Day, you would have seen an article by uh, Oliver Moore, who's the urban affairs reporter uh, for the Global Mail, and it was titled Mississauga, a cautionary tale as cities sprawl out across Southern Ontario. And basically the gist of it is the last piece of untouched land in Mississauga has been sold off to developers. There's nothing left to develop in Mississauga from this point forward, uh, which as you, as listeners of this podcast will know, uh, development is kind of our bread and butter. <laughs> so this one definitely caught my eye, uh, uh, as a story that we should uh, we should be talking about yeah yeah i mean so i mean and i guess uh to sort of clarify for anybody who's wondering about this you know most cities in the 905 um the exceptions actually being burlington is one of the exceptions and i guess miss sarwich may be the second one um have have um what's called usually white belt or, or undeveloped land that was within their boundaries that is not that is considered within the 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 built up area, but is not actually built up, uh, and those are what we're looking at when we're talking about these white belt. Uh, which is, and the white belt thing is becoming quite an issue across the region. We're seeing that in Milton right now, and we saw it in Hamilton last year. So Mississauga's got none. Um, uh, so the you know quite literally the only way up is up now, or the only way is is intensification. And yeah, I mean my thought my thoughts certainly are that 
for a city the size of Mississauga, it must have incredibly low levels of density uh, to have managed to do that, <laughs> um, because uh, it's like you know this that this it shouldn't have happened yet in a city the size of Mississauga, and I think it points to mistakes that were made over the last uh, numerous decades. And actually, I think people should, really should start questioning Hazel McCallion's legacy in Mississauga. You know, she was the queen of sprawl in that city. And I think many of the, you know, Mississauga tends not to be the top of anybody's list of places that they have ambitions to live in. And, and you know, you can say that about many cities in the 905. So don't have a go at me, you know. <laughs> um, however, uh, it's often said, you know, I don't know how many times I've heard people say, you know, well, certainly it was said in Burlington all the time when I was running for council, you know, we don't want to be like Mississauga. Ironically, those people were talking, speaking mainly about opposing high rises. The irony being that Mississauga's real problem is is not high rises, but sprawl. It seems, but yeah, I mean, it, well, it's here. Here's the thing. I think the lesson to be taken from this is uh, eventually we're all going up. And that that's that's the thing. Is you and I and it's something that we've talked about before. Is that the the argument on oh we sprawl or or high-rise is the wrong argument to make uh, in this one. Most I think Mississauga got itself into this position because it did not have a forward vision of its development. Not until the last couple decades or the last decade or so when they actually started to build up around square one. And that's where you're seeing all the condo towers going up now that the, the infamous, oh, it, you know, the, the Mississauga skyline now. That's recent. That's, that hasn't always been there. Before, Misaga was very much just strip malls and subdivisions. And it worked for a while, and it was fun, you know, because it was like where you, you park your car in Mississauga and take the train into Toronto. That was kind of the, the mentality for a long, long time. That doesn't exist anymore. Now, Mississauga is a place to it, for companies to set up their headquarters and, and R&D departments and all that. And it's it's a case I think of uh, the the check finally coming due, and the question is how they're going to pay. And I do I kind of do mean that literally because one of the things that uh, Oliver mentions or goes into in his article is the fact that sprawl costs cities money. I mean you 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 the idea of like okay we'll just build out a new a new uh, subdivision and the families are going to come in and they will. Fit, they'll buy the homes and they'll fill there and there'll be new people to and property values will rise and new property taxes and it doesn't quite work that way folks it, it's those subdivisions are huge money pits for city in terms of infrastructure costs in terms of water maintenance you know water uh, table maintenance just the upkeep on sewer, sewers alone is ridiculous the road maintenance and and having to install transit that goes in there and and whatnot it's a hugely costly venture for cities which often times like they just say oh how do we they it's called the ponzi scheme how, how do we how do we pay off the, the last one? Oh, let's build another one and it will help to go and we'll get more property tax revenue and it just doesn't work that way and yeah that's, and that's in, how, in essence until the last until the last 10 years that's exactly how every city in the 905 operated is that when when the land is developed the city gets a bunch of development fees from the developers that's money in the bank so short term money long term they don't 
bother thinking three years down the road to the all the costs that come with maintaining now you've got to build schools you've got to, I mean, maybe that doesn't come out of the city budget but you've got to build all those things if, you, if you're going to have a community you, you need to spend money to make them uh to make them work yeah you've got to put transit in you've got to put you know, blah 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 and then you've got to maintain that year in year year out so it's, it's been a horrible mistake um it's a mistake that we're dealing with across the 905, but I think uh, Ms. Selwood is kind of the poster child for it. And, and I think there will come a time where mayors like um, Hazel McCallion, who, who kind of you know still have this glow around them for some reason, because I guess she was she you know she was in there for around forever. a long time, and she she was there Hurricane Hazel literally, and literally at the founding of Mississauga back when it was Streetsville and Port Credit and Cooksville and. Uh, 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 Malton and all these places, and she just kind of was there from the beginning. And I, I agree. I think I, mean, I th- like the, the legacy of oh, she, she held on. Yeah, great. But I'm wondering at what cost. You know, the 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 right now the city is forced to have to reconfigure itself and and have to start talking about building up. And you know what? I will say this: it, while it's a tough pickle for Mississauga to be in. I do think it's an opportunity for them to kind of lead the way in the 905 uh, because there's talk of well, how do we how, how do we build those livable, like that 15-minute city? And there's a couple of projects. There's one that was mentioned in the, in the article called Lakeview Village, which is, I'm sorry, excuse me, like for, former Lakeview Generating Station uh, that was demolished in 2006. And the, there's a developer who's looking to bring in pretty much 8,000 residents, 9,000 jobs, and a mixture of pu- public parklands, denser uh, living spaces, uh, and, the, and the like. And it's an interesting project of what maybe we should be looking at going forward. I don't know. I'm not saying it's the cure-all, but it's an it's a interesting solution to, to to the 905's question about sprawl or bus. Maybe this is the, this is the alternative. I mean, the irony is that everybody in every planning department across the 905, across in, um, in Toronto as well, across Canada, every planning department, um, uh, the developers too often talk about it's like we need to we need intensification, we need to create walkable cities. We can't rely on cars, and, and cities that are walkable are just damn well nicer places to live mm-hmm. um, than than faceless subdivisions um, where you know you you have to get in a car just to buy a pint of milk. Um, we know this, but having gone so far down the road of sprawl, it's really difficult to 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 unpick the um to uh, unpick it uh, to 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 reverse engineer. I mean, really, that's what we're doing. But now, I mean, like the it, it's not a matter of reverse engineering role. And I mean, like let, let's face it, Rosaga is forced to do it. Like they don't have an option. They've hit their wall. They don't have an option, but you can't you can't literally re- you know if that, if 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 a uh, if a subdivision has single family homes on it now, it's going to have single family homes on it for the next 50 years, you know, 50, it, that land is out of your hands now. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're left with kind of the scraps as places where you can, you can, uh, where you can develop. And obviously downtown core near, near transit and all those things, those things are already happening across the 905. And, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's tough to put in a usable bus system in a city that wasn't designed for buses. You know, it's it, it all these things are, are 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 more challenging in those new cities than they are in in the older ones. I mean, I, I think you know to an extent that's why 
say a city like Hamilton has an awful lot of potential now because it wasn't designed for the car in the first place or the, the core of it mm. wasn't. Um, so, so it changes. Um, it means that the city is walkable already. Um, all you do is take the cars out of the equation. Um, well, we'll wait and see uh, what happens. And wait, maybe, maybe we need to have a, uh, an episode of Mississauga versus Hamilton. Check <laughs> it out. That would be an interesting idea for a future episode is if we start pitting communities against each other. Hmm. I don't know if if I, I if you're listening and you think there's merit to this idea, email email me Joel dot McLeod M A C L E O D at nine oh five or dot ca. I be I am yeah. I think there, I think there's something to be said about this for future episodes. Maybe after the uh, the municipal election, but maybe before it. Maybe we'll have mayors come on. And they can fight other mayors and yeah. explain why why their city is better than somebody else's city, but. Well, I mean, I'd love to speak to Bonnie Crombie and uh, ask her how do you how do you uninvent the car if you see what I mean? You know, um, it's a challenge. Many city, every city has the same challenge to varying degrees. But yep. Um, Anywho, so what else? Uh, what else? We got? You you wrote a, wrote a little piece that got a little bit of attention on on the uh, thing called the internet, Roland. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, every so often um, the mood takes me, and I actually write something, and, uh, and more to the point, finish it and pre- press the publish button, which just uh, doesn't always happen because I sort of <laughs> get halfway through and think, oh, no. I mean, to an extent, I, I feel like I'm a stuck record because I wrote an article last year about the Halton mayors calling for Halton to be excluded from what was it, lockdown number two, lockdown number three? I forget. Right. Uh, one of the lockdowns. I think it was the second lockdown. Um, they said, you know, we, we, we shouldn't be included in this because Halton's got lower numbers, which was, which was A, garbage, and B, um, none of their business, uh, as far as I was concerned, to sort of second-guess uh, scientists. Two days later, they had to do a U-turn because the entire province had to be locked down, at which point they, they had somehow managed to change their minds and decided that the facts that spoke one way on Friday spoke a different way on Monday. Same facts, different result. But they're at it again, not Halton. Now it's Ontario's big city mayor. So that, that's all the mayors unanimously, apparently. There was a uh, kind of an op-ed in, in the Star last week from uh, Patrick Brown uh, asking for the schools to reopen today. Now, as it happens, um, acts of God have intervened in the meantime. <laughs> um, and and rather, than, <laughs> rather than plague and pestilence, it's, uh, it's weather events that are stopping the children going back to school. However, I, I presume tomorrow the schools will be reopening, and I, I don't really have an opinion one way or the other. I mean, I don't have children. I'm not of it. You know, I kind of at this point I'm kind of openly saying I don't know. Um, however, I also know that the mayors, the big city mayors, don't know either. They're putting pressure on not from any basis in science, or facts, or epidemiology, or uh, public health. Uh, they're putting pressure on the province. Because they're getting pressure from from voters. A normal course of events, that's fine. That's how democracy works. But in a public health crisis, no. Uh, the the thing the thing we're negotiating with is a virus. You know, we're not negotiating the best deal for for our residents. We're negotiating uh, their health, um, and it's not it's not politicians' business. Politicians should not interfere in public health issues. It has to be done by people who are neutral, impartial based on on an understanding of the facts and how disease spreads well that, um, and it, it just i'm just 
you know, I'm just so annoyed with this whole uh, repeated thing and the fact that they don't get more criticism than they do because it it just adds to the, the overall feeling of confusion, the feeling that we're getting different messages from here, there, and everywhere about what the right thing is to do. It's it's a case um, of the, mayor, the mayors are catering are uh, using the bully pulpit, if you will, to uh, to drum up support for their 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 own election chances. That, that's the thing. It, this year is an election year at the municipal level. That's what this is about. It's about showing, hey, you know, we nobody wants lockdowns. Yeah, nobody does. No, I, I don't like being locked down. I, I don't like uh, my, my kids in virtual schooling. But at the same time, I'm also sitting going, I have no clue if it's safe or not. Like, that, like there are people who, there are everybody who says, I don't like lockdowns. So I'm saying, well, I don't know what's safe or not. This, the, the Omicron variant, while not as deadly as Delta or, or its predecessors, I think it's kind of been a bit of a wake-up call to the, the public at, at large to say, this thing doesn't have an expiry date. There, there's no like, there's no waiting it out. As long as the what the epidemiologists have been saying so far, as long as the the third world is unva- vastly unvaccinated, variants will pop up. Global trade and globalization will mean that they will eventually arrive at our doorstep. It's inevitable. As long as that keeps happening, we need to be prepared for more variants down the road. And I think Omicron's kind of woken people up to say, "Oh my God, this is." This is the way of the world for the foreseeable future. You know, I, I there's saying, oh, by you know this this summer this summer it'll end the the pandemic. I don't know. I really don't. I'm my guts tell me no, it's not. There'll be some other variant that'll pop up, and that's what that's what I'm waiting to hear from our political leaders at all levels, federal, provincial, and and municipal. Is the fact that we need to wake up to this reality. There might be another variant coming down the pipeline. We need to figure out. And this is one of the questions that we asked. Uh, we, actually, we have another um, sneak peek, folks. We have an episode with a, a, a real-life epidemiologist uh, <laughs> coming up next week. But we're, we're, one of the questions we asked him was, how, how do we live with this? Like, like we, we need to shift behaviors and expectations and mechanisms for dealing with this. And that's something that nobody, none of our political leadership wants to really talk about. It's easier to write letters and to, to point fingers at Doug Ford, which... Uh, he does deserve. I'm not. I'm not going to let him off the hook. Just FYI. But you know, that's what that's what these letters are. It's it's Patrick Brown and and John Tory and, and all the mayors just trying to, trying to cut, curry favor with a group that they hope will will elect them into power again this year. And it's, it's shallow opportunism at its at its most blatant. And, uh, I'm not even. I mean, I'm surprised something that that would be unanimous that not one of them would go. Uh, should we really be? Diving into the whole school debate, I mean, all I can think is they're getting the impression I've received at various points is that the pressure that municipal politicians are under at the moment is very much coming from businesses, um, businesses and employees, and 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 the other thing is I think an awful lot of them spend much too much time kind of on those community Facebook groups, um, you know, like um, I'm thinking of you know like uh, sort of dads. Whatever it's called, Dad's reunited and Mum's reunited, and oh, not called reunited, but um, not necessarily getting a remotely accurate um, view of the population, but hearing from one or two highly vocal people or a couple of highly vocal business owners, uh, and coming to the conclusion that everybody wants their children back in school. Well, I don't think that's not the impression I've been getting from from people I've 
spoken to that is anything like as unanimous. I mean, people want, yeah, everybody wants their kids back in school. I mean, that was the point I, I was most critical of was that, you know, in this, this release they made, the mayor said, well, you know, uh, well, specialists agree that children are better off being educated in school. It's like, yeah, no one disputes that for a second. Of course, they're, they're, they do better in school. The, the question, the only question is, is it safe right now? Is this, is this the best way to control, um, or to, to look after the interests of the province uh, to keep numbers down in hospitals, um, um, to, to, I mean, to still avoid death, but, but to, above all, avoid overloading our systems, which are currently kind of pretty much approaching breaking point again. Um, yeah. The, the- and it's just like, why? Why are you getting involved in this when you don't need to? I mean, I wonder if it, frankly, was a response to a request from the provincial government um, that, the provincial government wanted to do something and they wanted some people to ask the right question. Um, and so they, you know, you know, this kind of thing happens along the back channels, you know, can you ask for this? And then we'll say yes. Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's the, how this pandemic has been operated to date. You know, like let, let's face it. Doug Ford hasn't been forward thinking in terms of a, a, a vision. He, he doesn't have the courage to go to the Ontario people at this point and say, listen, folks, we need to change the way that we operate. You know, here we're going to give money to, to help small businesses adjust their, their, their business model. We'll give, you know, help adjust rent or, or, or what, like the real, the real nitty gritty stuff that we might have to say, we're going to have to really adjust the way things operate in this province. Um, you know, better work, more secure working conditions, more sick pay, that kind of thing, more workers' rights, all, all that stuff to say this has to change. We can't, we're not going back to 2019 anytime soon. We need it and we need to have the, the flexibility and the, the enforcement to navigate this thing. You know, I, what happens when, when a, a theta variant or a, a, you know, some other variant comes along that may not be as mild as Omicron? You know, it comes around, like, what are we going really to sit there? To, oh, I guess we got to go back into lockdown because we're, we're flush out of ideas. Like, come on. Like, and that's what I want to see from the, from the municipal level. You know, if the, if these mayors got together and said, this is what we need to see, we need, like, put a, like a manifesto together of this is what our cities need for COVID and have, don't put it just your powers. Talk about, we need, more workers' uh, rights. We need we need to have better sick pay, sick days off. We need to have uh, rent relief for uh, for businesses, or better yet, go talk to landlords about um, re you know rezoning for for whatever. Like there's there's a lot of stuff that can happen to help uh, alleviate this, and and you know, better vaccine enforcement. All this stuff that we don't hear anything from the, from the uh, from mayors about this. And I, I'm quite frankly, I'm I'm. I'm sitting here wondering from this whole pandemic, like what, what has happened to our leadership of this country? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, why are mayors wading into an education question, uh, into a public health question, but secondarily a, a, an education question. Um, it's like talk about municipal stuff. Um, you know, Ontario's big city mayors, if they have clout, have, it could be, could be putting serious pressure on the province to, uh, reform the municipal acts mm-hmm. in their favor to you know, all, all the things that we talk about week in week out, week out with with the way the planning is done uh, serious pressure with regard to uh lpat or Ontario land tribunal that's the one 
you know, there's, there's so many things that they could be doing that that are the banes of their existence week in week out as mayors but they they, they do nothing about changing it um uh, for reasons that i don't really understand uh, because they do have serious clout when they want to act together uh, and you know i don't think i'm going to get anything out of doug ford with regard to lpat but but if you talk about it enough you'll 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 make the other parties talk about it um and maybe you'll make some you know, change happen but that's instead it's easier to just write a letter saying get us open because i think everybody's just fresh out of ideas i, th I think they they are or, or they're just they're the the age the age of the small minded political leader the 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 leader who says oh I'll just I'll undersell and uh, and overperform is over you 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 cannot get by on incrementalism or hey I've got a few nice things that I can throw on a brochure you've got it. this is a global pandemic we're 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 at our wit's end we need big ideas big bold ideas that means you actually have to do work. You actually have to get off your butt and do something about it. And that's, I, I think that scares a few politicians in power at the moment. Well, and, and the saddest thing is all, all about municipal government across this province is that the best people don't stay in it. And Jesse Helmer, we talked to uh, last year, he's not running again. He was vice mayor. There's a guy with, of huge ability. Uh, his annual wage, uh, the salary of councillors in London is, is something like, I can't remember if it was 12000 or 20000 It's a small amount of money for what is undoubtedly a full-time job. He can't stay in that kind of job. So the people who do stay are the people, are the, <laughs> people the last people you want, and because for them it's the best job they'll ever have. Jesse Helmer can go and do a job it's anywhere. The, the people who stay in a job are the people who can't get a job anywhere else. Yeah. Plain and simple. And, and who would, 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 you know, people are never going to get an office as nice as they get as a councillor because cause they ain't that talented. <laughs> uh, it, it, uh, and, the, you know, good, good people are the ones who are like, I don't know if I want to stick around the, this city hall dealing with the toxicity that exists in most, in, far too many city halls if not all of them mm -hmm. um the difficulty getting anything done in in our system um where when you don't even control the agenda despite the fact you're elected um you know you don't even control the agenda a little bit and it's like well uh, yeah i mean if you, you are a person of any skill it's like well i'd really like to contribute to my city but maybe i can do it better outside than inside um the city hall uh, building and I, I think that's the ultimately the, the biggest tragedy of all uh, that that um, that good people are lost to the system because because it ain't that much fun um, being a, a good counselor. It can be a lot of fun being a bad one. All right. Well, let's leave it at that for uh, for today. Then thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Nine Hundred Fiver. Take care, everyone. All right. <laughs>
See you next time. Did Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.